Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are in the sixth part of our Calling Shotgun series. And in this message, I got to call Shotgun with my woman. And so, and be able to, uh, to be able to tag team preach with her today. So if you got your bulletin app, you got your Bible app, um, however it is you're gonna roll with us today, um, we're just gonna go ahead and jump into it. And we've led off in this Calling Shotgun series with this idea that letting Jesus drive, letting him be Lord is the most liberating thing that we can do. It is the absolutely most liberating thing we can do. And this thing is of Calling Shotguns, we have to do it on purpose. We have to to say, you know what? I want you, Jesus, to be in control. I want you to lead and guide me in my life, in my decisions, in the way I interact. And we have to on purpose choose that because you and I will somehow slide over that console and get back in control if we don't pay attention and choose to call shotgun. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, let's talk about that freedom. Freedom is found where we allow the Lord to be Lord. And so today we're going to talk about kids, parenting, those little humans that we've been responsible for. But let's say that you're an empty nester and you go, ha I'm checking out. I got easy today. No, you don't. Because this can go along with your relationships, any relationship, because the relationship between a child and their parent is a big deal. Yeah. But relationships with people are how we go through life. And those are a big deal as well. So this really is for the whole room, if you take it that way. For sure. And uh, choosing shotgun with our kids is, it's honestly, it's one of the most challenging things that we can do because any parent is not opinionless about their child. Uh, You're just not. You have strong opinions about your kids. And rightly so, that, that parental instinct kicks in and your understanding of the responsibility, it just naturally you have strong opinions. In any place where we have strong opinions and strong place of responsibility, well then those begin to be a place where it's a little harder to let God lead us in that space. And when we do premarital counseling and when we've done a podcast on marriage um, in the past, we we cover this thing called agreement. Um, Amos 3.3 says two can't walk together unless they agree. And uh, let's just kind of all acknowledge till death do us part. It's kind of the longest walk in the world. And so um, so (laughs) if if you're going to do that, um, you're going to have to agree. And so the scriptures say that, that it's, it's vital. Well, if we're going to be in agreement, there's some core places you have to be in agreement. There's some core subject matters. And, and, and in our premarital we, in, in marriage counseling, we cover the, the five big areas of agreement. And we're not going to get into all of them this morning, but I will let you know, kids 
are one of those five. You, you have to be in a place of agreement because let's just be honest, um, you can't agree to disagree with what to do about the kids. <laughs> You just can't. You have to get on the same page. You can't agree to disagree. And even in some spaces before kids come along, there's some spaces where you can kind of agree to disagree. You know, you're like, okay, well, you have your own little weird thing about you, and you just kind of you just kind of keep that over there, and I'll, we'll just agree to disagree on that subject. But as soon as kids come along, you're like, no, the weirdness stops with you. Like, this is not, this is not going to be trans transgenerational weirdness. This is not going to be passed down to my kid, okay? Um, it's, just stop, it's just stopping right there. And, and you know, with, with football season getting going, we kind of see a little silly place where, where sometimes this can be played out. And so where there's a space where maybe uh, in f- football season, your, your house divided, okay? Maybe, maybe you're, a, a, you know, you're, you, the, the husband, are a Cowboys fan, you know? Um, you know, you keep your box of Kleenex to the side. And you know, you just, you, 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 you just, you just do it, you know, you just do it. And, uh, and so, and uh, so you're a hardcore Cowboys fan, you know, and, and then maybe your lovely wife is a Packers fan. Oh Lord, help us all. And so, and uh, you know, and so, and you can, on Sunday, you can be a house divided and you can agree to disagree, but something happens when the little two-year-old is about to wear their first jersey. And that hardcore Cowboys fan says, there is no way you're putting a Packers jersey on my kid. You can be a Packers weirdo by yourself, but you are not doing that to my child. And there's a space where all of a sudden our opinions, the things that we're passionate about, they begin to come in and infect those spaces. And so that's what makes it challenging because it is, there's places we're incredibly passionate. We like to call one of these the mama bear phenomenon. It's real. It is real and it rises up in you before you ever notice. And somebody says something about your kid and something comes out of you that you were like, where did that come from? But you're in it, so you go. Um, it, it takes me back to a story when, so we have seven children and we have the first five and then we have the last two. There's eight years in between that, those two. And um, so when the first five were in school, which they are all adults now, um, the school learned really fast that they probably should put Pastor Brandon's number first when they needed to call, when they needed a parent. And so I noticed that all of a sudden he knew things that I didn't know. But, you know, I was like, mm, it's probably safest, probably safest. <laughs> and so one day I got a call. And it's Mrs. Clark. And I was like, what is your problem now? That is exactly how I handled that. And he said, uh, uh, well, I tried to call your husband first, but he didn't answer. I said, good for me. What is your deal? What is your deal? And I was in the dressing room of a local boutique. Curtain was closed. And I am letting this man know how we are going to handle this, how he's going to behave, and how I am going to behave. And everyone in the boutique was standing outside my door. 
listening. And when I came out, they were all like, what was that? I said, the principal. (laughs) He's not going to do what he thought he was going to do. And I started it off the way I wanted Mama Bear to, wait, way Mama Bear wanted to handle it. Now, understand, I was not, I was right, I was right. But I was not right. <laughs> but I'm also going to tell you that Keenan Clark is 28 years old, and I'm just now admitting that. <laughs> I came out of that, I was ready to go. I let that man have it. We were not picking on my kids. What did you do wrong is kind of how I put that. Instead of saying that, I was just like, we're, just, we're not doing this. And I was, I was wrong. I was right, but I was wrong. And mama bears, that's how we are. It's how we are. It's wrong and it's right as it is. Third John 1 through 4, or 1 4, not 1 through 4. Third John 1 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I absolutely love, I get, I don't know if the word is embarrassed or not embarrassed in a bad way embarrassed, but just kind of, I love to hear it, but yet I love to hear when somebody says, your children, your child did this, so blessed me. And I've learned by what's going on, which one it is. But in the beginning, I have to be like, which one? But as they have walked with God, I can see the Lord in them and I know, oh, that one was Carson. Oh, that one was Lyndon. Oh, that must have been Brooklyn. I just know because we've walked with God this long. Yeah, when it comes down to it, that uh, First John, I mean, uh, First John, <laughs> Third John, thank you, Third John 1, 4, that we have no greater joy than our, know that our children are walking in the truth. That's what you and I as parents That's what we want. We want that more than anything. And so here we have this place that that's our heart cry. We want to be able to have that. And we have the tension of the place that it's it's so important to us and we value it so much and we're so highly opinionated on it that how do we walk this out? How do we get to the place? Because we're only going to get to 3 John 1, 4 by letting him lead. So how do we get to where our hearts want to go? when our hearts don't want to let go. And we're gonna get into that a little bit this morning. See, what a child learns about God, it shapes how they'll connect with God as an adult. They're learning it by watching. They're learning it by seeing how we as parents connect. And Proverbs 22, 6 and, uh, says, start children off in the way that they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And in this mindset, it can kind of be this idea of just start them off like, Woo-hoo, there you go, go in the right direction and just kind of let them go. But I really like the way the new King James puts the, the Hebrew better. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, let's talk about what train means. It's coaching. 
It's showing, it's being very practical in the way things should be handled and the way life goes. Um, They watch you all the time. They are constantly watching how we do things in life. It, It shocks me that when, so when Brooklyn was two, she put chips in her hot dog. And I looked at her at the table, I was like, what? Pastor Brandon did that when he was a little boy. She had never seen him do that. How does that, how does that happen? Some things we can't help. They show up once and then you go, ha we're not gonna do that. <laughs> but most of the things we have complete control over. Most of the things it, we have complete control over. As we're understanding this heart and this idea of training and being able to help our children be modeled, coached, corrected, be able to, to grow in the way that they should go, we have to do it from God's heart in that space. And we see this modeled by Jesus in Mark chapter 10. We'll begin in verse 13. It says that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Somehow, the people closest to Jesus didn't get immediately that children were important to Jesus. We could falsely get into this idea that that, um, real ministry somehow happens with the adult population. And that was certainly the ideas of the disciples. They didn't, they weren't pushing adults away. They just said, no, 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 don't bother Jesus with the kids. And Verse 14, it says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, there's not too many times where we see that Jesus gets indignant, and we don't know exactly what Jesus getting indignant looks like. I know about you, I don't want to have Jesus indignant with me. And so typically he would get indignant with religious leaders who were using their authority and their position in an oppressive way. That's usually where we see Jesus getting indignant, where people, where they were laying on burdens too heavy for people to care and not themselves even lift using a finger to lighten it. That stuff irritated Jesus. But all of a sudden here we see with his disciples, his inner circle, the ones who ought to understand his heart the most. We see him get indignant with the fact that they did not have a heart for children. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder. This sounds a little bit redundant, but letting and not hindering are two different things, okay? Letting just says, okay, I'm gonna allow it, okay? But there may be some obstacles and you're just gonna have to deal with those. Not hindering means I'm gonna remove the obstacles. I'm gonna not be a hindrance and I'm not gonna allow any hindrance. Jesus' heart was not only that we make room for kids and our children to connect with them, but also that we remove any hindrances that may get in the way. It says, before the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. If we're not gonna be able with the, with the faith of a child, with the, the childlike faith, connect with God, we're never actually going to connect with him. 
In verse 16, it says, and he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and blessed them. I just love this image. You see, there were parents bringing Jesus just to have his hands laid on them. They were just looking for a touch from Jesus for their kids. And he wanted to give them an embrace. We see him take them into their arms. Jesus wants more for your children than even you do. He wants more for your kids than even you want for your children. But for us to be able to step into this fully, we have to recognize his heart and we don't remotely have time to get into all of the stuff of parenting and all of that and inside a 30 minute teaching, but we can cover two key important things. And the first one. Consistency brings stability. Everybody understands and knows stability is valuable. It is important. It is the thing each one of us need. But what brings that stability? It's consistency. It's a good start. You have to have a foundation of things. And consistency is important. Because stability is the thing we, it rocks our world if it's not there. Consistency, being not that we had hot dogs last Thursday, so we're gonna have them again this Thursday. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way you're going to do life. Yeah. You know, you can come to church this Sunday. We're gonna go back to church. We're in church, and the next Sunday we're like, we're gonna have pancakes and pajamas day. That's inconsistency. They have to know what's coming, how we do life, what's important, what's valuable. We are the communicators of that. We are the ones who make that. It's, it's got to be there. No. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm going to just touch this subject. You don't boo me. Do you understand? I'm being me now. Let me let you in on something. Discipline is not the thing that you watch out. You don't say, well, that, that made my kid mad. So I'm just not going to do it this time. Oh, no. That's right. That brings stability, that brings consistency. That's you right. gotta have it. It's there, it's important. That is not what brings them, that's not what provokes them. That, the next thing is, New King James says, do not provoke your children to wrath. Discipline is not what provokes them. It's the fact that the first time I got away with lying and this time I'm not getting away with lying. That's what provokes them to Wrath. That's what exasperates them is that they don't know what to do. I got away with it, so I'm going to do it again, and this time I'm not. As you, if they do have an anger issue when it comes to discipline and it scares you away, you need to have a chat with them and coach them how it's supposed to go. Those things can bring peace in your family faster than anything else when you are all on the same page. You're not provoking by doing something right. 
What's provoking is when you don't do it all the time. In the Clark house, there was one discipline if you lied. It was the same with every kid. If you lie, this is what's going to happen. They had to know. They all tried it. They all got it. And it wasn't because we were mean. It's because we wanted them to be people that everybody wanted to be around. And that comes from coaching. Now, understand, my discipline and your discipline may be something different. We can talk about that. But what I'm saying is you have to do it. You have to do it. If you've been around church for a little while, you've probably more familiar with the do not provoke your children to wrath and and instead of the NIV's translation of exasperate. And and the truth is, if all we have in our minds is not provoking our children to wrath, um, we won't kind of carry this in the right thing because in our minds, we may have this wrath like if you were like an 80s person like me, okay? Uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Do I have any, any, uh, hey, Hey, this is where we agree to disagree, okay? Okay, it's a fantastic movie. Ricardo Montalban, all right. Okay, why, why that accent was in space, I have no idea, but it was amazing. <laughs> his, his accent, he made a great con. And so, but he gets the wrath of con. He, he is so vengeance bound that at the end of the movie, he's quoting Moby Dick and, and he is, he's sitting there and he is going to literally blow everything up. He's, he's going to destroy everything himself included because he is so, so wrathful. He is so angry. And if we have wrath on that end of the scale, then we feel like we're only not supposed to push our kids to the place of a total meltdown where they're ready to just burn the world because they're just so upset. No, that we get into this language, we get into to this place and, and what Paul writes and he uses the word paragizo and you'll probably never hear that word again in your life. Um, but what it means that it's better translated ex- exasperate, which is this thing, it, it's a compound word and it means to anger alongside. It's not just have anger and be overcome with anger. It's to to anger alongside. They're trying to be able to do life in the family. They're trying to be able to get along as a kid. They're trying to be able to do this thing. And and all of a sudden, anger is now introduced alongside this activity. And anybody who's ever tried to be a shade tree mechanic in their life, uh, you know, say, I'm just going to simply change the brake pads and save a little money. Hey, babe, I got it. It's a one hour job and she comes out at midnight you know and you've been out there all day and your tools are just spread across the entire yard you know and you're so frustrated because you want to do the job but it's not going right and you're exasperated you're trying to do this and anger has come alongside and complicated what actually needs to happen That's what Paul is talking about. We need to be mindful that as we are training our kids, we need to be mindful to not bring anger alongside that, okay? That we don't work in a way that exasperates our children and a lack of consistency. It's one of the most frustrating things that we can do. We've seen it. We've been frustrated by bosses who they were at the whims of their moods. 
And one day you did one thing and it was exactly what was needed and the next day you did the exact same thing and they were frustrated and they chewed you out for it. If you're in college, you've had some professors who were inconsistent in the way they graded or their expectations and it's just, it's just frustrating. And walking in a place of consistency, it changes that. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Seven, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, I know that the long-term saying is they do not give a manual for these little people. When you have one, there's no book at the hospital that says, here's how you do this. They, They didn't give me anything. I was 20 years old going home with Kenan and had no idea I was going to bathe him in cold water. (laughs) Wasn't going to burn him. (laughs) Pastor Brandon said, do you like a cold bath? I said, heck no. (laughs) Well, he's not either. And I was like, well, we got a lot to learn. (laughs) Boy, do we have a lot to learn. But this right here, this mess, this word, this scripture, it's a manual. It's the manual. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. So let's imagine that's when you're sitting at the table. When you're walking along the road. That to me is just family time. Or you could be in the middle of doing something. And you're impressing them on them. Pressing, impressing them upon them. When you lie down, should be some of the last things that you say. And when you get up, it's the first thing you do. I can remember one time, Pastor Brandon was in bed and he was muttering. I said, what are you doing? Shh, the last thing I want to say is to Jesus. I was like, shh, me. <laughs> but then I couldn't really say anything because I was like, yes, Lord, get him. But it so impressed me. It impressed me that the last thing he wanted to say before he went to sleep was to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, probably the first thing was something to Jesus because he was running late. But (laughs) it's that moment so impressed me. Here is our guide. You constantly are talking talking to them and telling them about what it is to make the right choices and walk with the Lord all the days of your life. Verse five says, um, verse five is echoed by Jesus when he asked about the greatest commandment. So this one's in both parts of the Bible. That's how important it is. It made it in the old and it made it over into the new. That's a big deal. For sure. That's a big deal. Um, Verse 6 says, they first belong on our hearts. We have to have it. We have to have it first. Now, where do you get that? By spending time with the Lord. By making those times with just Him. So that you can hear Him when He speaks. So that you know what He is saying. It's important. It comes up at... Sometimes where you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do in this five seconds. What do we do? If you don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit, you're not going to know. 
And that comes from spending your own time with the Lord, having your own relationship with him. Verse seven says they should be passed to your children through everyday life. The stuff that happens consistently, consistently, it keeps coming up. Because things happen every day and we got to know how to handle it or what to do and how to teach them. How to teach them. Kids, don't do what I'm about to do. I've said that a time or two. It has to be. You got to know they're going to do it. (laughs) They're going to do it. So you better make it right. For sure. As we are being consistent in everyday life, the challenge is, is that everyday life shows up so consistently. And so it's just like, it's just nonstop. But the truth is, is we get to live it little chunks at a time, little moment by moment. And we all mean well. I mean, we're, we're in all in this space together. We, we want to be able to have our relationships be God-honoring and certainly our connection with our kids God-honoring. But there's a place where sometimes as we are choosing to, to ride shotgun and let Jesus lead, we have to make sure we're staying alert in that and not getting passive in that. A couple of years ago, I was leaving here from the building, making a little lows, uh, run to Lowe's and ended up on the access road to right there by Target and going to hang a left and go up to Lowe's. And, and I praise God for San Angelo's traffic. Uh, we rarely have to sit through two red lights, praise God. And so, um, you know, got caught at the red light. There's a few cars ahead of me and um, light turns green. First three cars go, then this pickup just stays right where it's at. So somebody behind him gives him a little friendly, little friendly, doot, you know, a little, little not, the, not the obnoxious one of I hate your stinking guts where you just, ah, you just lay on it and then you're still doing it as you're passing them. You're like driving like that. Not that any of y'all have ever done that. And so, or me, and so, not and, uh, but as... Just a nice little friendly honk. Hey, you know, get off your phone kind of honk. And um, so, but then, the, of course, the light turns red. We all stay um, and it happens again. And finally, the cars in front of me all just go around the guy. And, and I pull up right behind him. And you see, there, there's a guy in his vehicle. And he, his head is still. He's not moving. And um, so he's just, he's just still, he's just looks just sitting there. And so I get out and just cautiously walk up the side like, like I'm a police officer. You know how they come right up next to your car? So if you like jump out, you have to turn a whole lot to get to them. I was using all my SWAT training. And so <laughs> that I got imparted to me from Mike. And so, and so I'm coming up alongside and then I'm looking in this little mirror and being able to see, yeah, the dude's in there and um, so finally I come up and I just peek into his window and he's sitting there his, he's just sitting straight up his eyes are closed and my first thought is this dude died right here he's he's dead I'm, and so I, I, lit, I did I was getting ready to call 911 and so but before I did that I was like I'll just knock and so I just give a little knock. He's, he's set through multiple people honking at him. Um, but for whatever reason, um, the knock made him <laughs> jump awake. And he was just asleep. He was asleep. And praise God, he just kept his foot on the brake and didn't just take off into the intersection. And so, but he was just sitting there, slept through multiple lights and was just out cold. And then that, I startled him and then he just waves and goes. And so, and he just, 
<laughs> I'm just standing there on the shoulder. <laughs> okay. Uh, be, a, be two steps back. And this is two steps. I'm glad it wasn't a dually. I'd have been run over. And, um, and so, but the thing was, is he, he was in the right spot. He, he had made it to the, as far as he needed to in that space. He, he was still on the road. He was still between the lines. He was made it that far. The problem was, is he was still on a journey and he fell asleep at the wheel. See, the thing is, is a lot of times we can look at our lives, and especially this role as a parent, and, and it's like, no, you know, things still seem to be between the lines. We still seem to be with this, yeah, this is a journey, and it's, I'm pointed in the right direction. I'm in the right space that I wanted to be. But the problem is, is all of a sudden, when we go asleep at the wheel, that's when things get off. That's where the inconsistency thing begins to catch us. And Paul writes again in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or, or they will become discouraged. Just like a good trainer will be a good encourager, is encourage you along the way, not get you discouraged or you'll walk out of the training, you'll disconnect. As parents, we need to make sure in, in any relationship, we need to make sure we're encouraging and making sure we're watching out for discouragement. We're keeping people encouraged. And in this, we want to see that the, the next place where we want to grow is recognizing that our open hearts create room for God. See, the truth is, is that with our kids, we want to hang on real, real, real tight. And when it comes to calling shotgun with God, it's, the truth is, is holding loosely to God is holding tight. Seems counterintuitive, but holding loosely is holding tight. And Proverbs 3, 5 through uh, 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him or submit to him, and he will make your path straight. We want that. We want that. We don't want to lean on our own understanding. Problem is, is if you've been in church for a while, you've heard those two verses put together over and over and over again. But we sometimes forget that verse seven follows right on the heels and it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. And the challenges of leaning on our own understanding is we're so often wise in our own eyes. Years ago when Kenan was 18, and just so you all know, I did ask permission how you should do it when you're telling a story about Noted. someone. <laughs> Anyways, so Kenan, bless his heart, in the most fabulous way, Lord bless him. He had to be the first of everything for our family. We kind of just bumped along, you know, trying to figure things out. And Keenan, he, he was the one. <laughs> he was the prized one. And so when he was 18 and he was a senior in high school, it was towards the end of the year, there were some decisions that have to be made for one's life at 18. At 18, if you ask me, that's too young to be having to make decisions for your life. But we were there. And there was one thing that he and I did not agree on. Did not agree on. Now, Pastor Brandon, he took the root of Brandon's world, and it was all going to end out okay. I'm sure he was praying for the both of us because we butted heads hard. There, there are times that I show up in Kenan and this was one of them. 
and he believed one thing, and I believed that it should be another way, and I was not quiet about it. I know you're shocked. My, our other kids in the house learned to just leave the room if one of us brought this up, because we brought it up a lot at each other, a lot. He believed he should decide one thing, and I believed we should go the other way. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, I think at one point he probably told his siblings, Mom is just mean. Probably. I probably was. Because I was doing it in my own self. I was wise in my eyes. Kenan was wise in his eyes. And it was not the same wisdom. And one day after, I don't know how long we had fought about this, but if you fight about something every day for even three days, it's a long time. But it was way longer than three days that we had gone at this. I cried out to the Lord and I was like, I need peace back in my relationship with my baby. He's my baby. 28 years old to this day, he is still my baby. And I needed peace in this relationship. I was not giving in to make peace. I was just like, Lord, give me an answer. What are we supposed to do? Who's right here, Lord? Who's right? But you know what? He did not give me an answer. And I was a little bit ticked at him. Because I really felt like with crying out like that, I should have it just like this. I need something. Give me something. And I don't, after I prayed that, I think, I don't even know how long it was. Keenan came into the room. And I said, son, and he just looked at me. Because he knew. I said, we have got to find a way to, to handle this. And I said, here's what we're going to do. And both of us were listening because I had no idea what we were going to do. I did not know what was coming out of my mouth. I said, we're going to hold it like this to the Lord. I am not going to pray like this to God about it. God, you give me my way, I'm right. I'm going to hold it like this and say, your will. What do you want him to do? How do I guide him? How do I lead him? How do I walk this out in something that is so strong in me and so strong in him? And he looked at me and he said, okay, okay. And I said, you are welcome to come to me and say, are you still holding it like this? I said, and I am welcome to come to you and say, are you still holding it like this? This is the only way God's way is going to happen. I'm not praying God change Kenan's heart and mind at that point. It may have been prayed before that. But from that moment on, it was we want you to be in this. Our home needs peace. He and I need peace. The problem was is that I loved him so much I needed to make the decision for him so he didn't screw up. (laughs) And yet the screwing up was what I was doing because I wasn't allowing him and coaching him and teaching him 
on how to handle something this big. And we did that, and I'm gonna say, it took us a while. I don't know how long it took for the Lord to have his way, but he was working on both of us. But what happened was we were both submitted to him. The Holy Spirit could come in and do something in here because we both quit doing this and we did this. Yeah. And we checked on each other. You still holding it like this? Yes, sir, I am. I am. Are you? Yes, ma'am, I am. And eventually, we came to what God wanted. We came together, and our relationship was good, and what came out of it was best. Amen. It was best. I wasn't going to tell y'all that. I was going to just let it be there. Thank you, son. But I love him so much that I wanted God to be Lord of his life. He served God. He was leading worship. He was doing all the things. For sure. But I was teaching him, you just stand strong to your way. You stand up, and he was standing up to me, and I was standing up to him. His 6'3 self and my 5'3 self, we were going at it. But guess what? God made something beautiful for us out of that. Yeah. And for the rest of the family to see. Yeah. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing. I'm going to tell you, I was anxious in everything in this moment in our life. Every time I saw him, before we came to the conclusion as to how we were going to handle this, before God spoke, I was anxious. And my anxiousness came out. It comes out. It comes out. They know it. They hear it. They sense it. And the word says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. We needed Jesus to guard our hearts. And until he could not do it until we both came to the understanding that we had to physically let him in. So easy to do that. Man, that's a great thing. I'm going to do that. And then in about five minutes, we both go, I'm taking that back. You have to consistently allow him that space. He guards your heart and your mind, and he works his way. He works his way. Amen. Our bottom line this morning is that when God leads you, then you can lead them. That's how this works. That's why calling shotgun in life and in every area is so vital because it's not just you. It's the next generation. The next generation directly in your home, the next generation in this church and in this space, in this community. And when we let God lead us, our generation, then we can lead the next. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.